storytelling is as old as time itself. Stories run through the lifeblood of humankind. But stories are forgotten as they're passed from generation to generation. My goal with this podcast is to prevent that from happening. To stop these stories from getting lost in the sands of time. I'm David Swiduck, and you're listening to Faded Words. With a lifetime and writing career spanning from December of 1928 through March of 1982, today's story is from an American writer possibly best known for his work in the field of science fiction. Now, I picked this story because it's a very humorous twist on science fiction, and it comes from an author who explored a whole variety of philosophical and social themes as well as just questions surrounding the human condition. Everything from alternate realities to the nature of reality, human nature, identity, authoritarian governments, all of that. He, he studied a very wide array of different types of stories. Now, his most popular story might be Do Androids Dream of Electric Sheep from 1968. This is a story that was turned into the famous movie in 1982 called Blade Runner. He had a number of other works that were turned into Hollywood uh, television and movie adaptations, including Total Recall, Minority Report, and even a novel called The Man in the High Castle that was just uh, released in 2015 as a multi-season series by Amazon. So he has a huge body of work. His life was tumultuous to say the least. However, the story I have for you today is called The Eyes Have It. And it was originally published in a magazine called Science Fiction Stories back in 1953. Now you can bet we're gonna see more from today's author, which if you haven't guessed already is Mr. Philip K. Dick, because over his career he wrote 44 novels, approximately 121 short stories, most of which did appear in various science fiction magazines over the course of his lifetime. But today, we're going to talk about a story that the editors say a little whimsy now and then makes for good balance. Theoretically, you could find this type of humor anywhere, but only a top-flight science fictionist stumbled over that word a little bit. A top-flight science fictionist, we thought, could have written this story in just this way. So with no further ado, let's get to the story called The Eyes Have It by Philip K. Dick. I'm David Swiduck. And this is Faded Words. It was quite by accident I discovered this incredible invasion of Earth by life forms from another planet. As yet, I haven't done anything about it, I can't think of anything to do. 
I wrote to the government, and they sent back a pamphlet on the repair and maintenance of frame houses. Anyhow, the whole thing is known. I'm not the first to discover it. Maybe it's even under control. I was sitting in my easy chair, idly turning the pages of a paperback book someone had left on the bus, when I came across the reference that first put me on the trail. For a moment, I didn't respond. It took some time for the full import to sink in. After I'd comprehended it, it seemed odd I hadn't noticed it right away. The reference was clearly to a non-human species of incredible properties not indigenous to Earth. A species, I hasten to point out, customarily masquerading as ordinary human beings. Their disguise, however, became transparent in the face of the following observations by the author. It was at once obvious the author knew everything, knew everything, and was taking it in his stride. The line, and I tremble remembering it even now, read, His eyes slowly roved about the room. Vague chills assailed me. I tried to picture the eyes. Did they roll like dimes? The passage indicated not. They seemed to move through the air, not over the surface. Rather rapidly, apparently. No one in the story was surprised. That's what tipped me off. No sign of amazement at such an outrageous thing. Later, the matter was amplified. His eyes moved from person to person. There it was in a nutshell. The eyes had clearly come apart from the rest of him and were on their own. My heart pounded and my breath choked in my windpipe. I had stumbled on an accidental mention of a totally unfamiliar race, obviously non-terrestrial, yet to the characters in the book it was perfectly natural, which suggested they belonged to the same species. And the author? A slow suspicion burned in my mind. The author was taking it rather too easily in his stride. Evidently, he felt this was quite a usual thing. He made absolutely no attempt to conceal this knowledge. The story continued. Presently, his eyes fastened on Julia. Julia, being a lady, had at least the breeding to feel indignant. She is described as blushing and knitting her brows angrily. At this, I sighed with relief. They weren't all non-terrestrials. The narrative continues. Slowly, calmly, his eyes examined every inch of her. Great Scott! But here the girl turned and stomped off and the matter ended. I lay back in my chair, gasping with horror. My wife and family regarded me in wonder. What's wrong, dear? My wife asked. I couldn't tell her. Knowledge like this was too much for the ordinary run-of-the-mill person. I had to keep it to myself. Uh, nothing, I gasped. I leaped up, snatched the book, and hurried out of the room. In the garage, I continued reading. There was more. Trembling, I read the next revealing passage. He put his arm around Julia. Presently, she asked him if he would remove his arm. He immediately did so with a smile. It's not said what was done with the arm after the fellow had removed it. Maybe it was left standing upright in the corner. Maybe it was thrown away. I don't care. In any case, the full meaning was there, staring me right in the face. Here was a race of creatures capable of removing portions of their anatomy at will. Eyes, arms, and maybe more. 
Without batting an eyelash, my knowledge of biology came in handy at this point. Obviously, they were simple beings, unicellular, some sort of primitive, single-celled things. Being no more developed than starfish. Starfish can do the same thing, you know. I read on and came to this incredible revelation, tossed off coolly by the author without the faintest tremor. Outside the movie theater, we split up. Part of us went inside, part over to the cafe for dinner. Binary fission? Obviously. Splitting in half and forming two entities. Probably each lower half went to the cafe, it being further, and the upper halves to the movies. I read on, hands shaking. I had really stumbled onto something here. My mind reeled as I made out this passage. I'm afraid there's no doubt about it. Poor Bibney has lost his head again. Which was followed by, And Bob says he has utterly no guts. Yet, Bibney got around as well as the next person. The next person, however, was just as strange. He was soon described as, Totally lacking in brains. There was no doubt of the thing in the next passage. Julia, whom I had thought to be the one normal person, reveals herself as also being an alien life form similar to the rest. Quite deliberately, Julia had given her heart to the young man. It didn't relate what the final disposition of the organ was, but I didn't really care. It was evident Julia had gone right on living in her usual manner, like all the others in the book. Without heart, arms, eyes, brains, viscera, dividing up into two when the occasion demanded, without a qualm. Thereupon she gave him her hand. I sickened. The rascal now had her hand as well as her heart? I shudder to think what he's done with them by this time. He took her arm. Not content to wait, he had to start dismantling her on his own? Flushing crimson, I slammed the book shut and leaped to my feet, but not in time to escape one last reference to those carefree bits of anatomy whose travels had originally thrown me on the track. Her eyes followed him all the way down the road and across the meadow. I rushed from the garage and back inside the warm house, as if the accursed things were following me. My wife and children were playing Monopoly in the kitchen. I joined them and played with frantic fervor, brow feverish, teeth chattering. I had had enough of the thing. I want to hear no more about it. Let them come on. Let them invade Earth. I don't want to get mixed up in it. I have absolutely no stomach for it. So that's a pretty fun story. I thought after how dark and heavy last week was with To Be R Zero To Be or To Be or Not To Be by Kurt Vonnegut, I thought let's have a little fun with this episode. It is a sci-fi technically story, but honestly, this this story when I read it, I've I've read it a number of times and it makes me smile every time. I picture this guy just a buffoon, almost a Homer Simpson type of character where he just is clueless. He has no idea, and he's reading this thing and takes it entirely the wrong way and lets himself get completely horrified and disgusted by the events that are happening. 
The thing I love about this and the thing that really makes Philip K. Dick so special as an author is he has a way so often of taking something that is completely normal. I mean, we see the elements in this story, such as the eyes moving from person to person or he takes her hand and things like that. These are phrases that are used all the time in modern storytelling, even classic storytelling. It's just how actions are explained. And he took this strange little concept and thought, what if somebody believed that those things were literally happening? I don't know. I just, I loved it. I thought it was super fun. So I I wanted to share this, you know, again, Philip K. Dick, much like Vonnegut last week, just a master of storytelling, a master in the world of science fiction, and just some brilliant ability to take that very mundane, very obvious, and twist it into a completely entertaining story that truly, genuinely brought a smile to my face every time I read it. Now, I know I skipped over it earlier, the little bit of housekeeping stuff. I don't know how I want to handle that with this new show. You know, with the Faded Words brand, I'm I'm not sure what I want to do. But for now, I just want to remind you guys that to keep up with all things to do with Faded Words podcast and the stories we're sharing and everything else, simply head over to AICpod.com. You'll find all the show notes, all the links right there up front on how to subscribe and all the popular podcast players and apps out there. Everything from Apple Podcasts to Spotify to iHeartRadio, you name it, it's there. You'll also get the show notes where you can find links to the resource materials and all sorts of other things. For now, I hope you guys enjoyed this story. I want to thank you so much for listening. I'm David Swiduck, and this has been Faded Words. Faded Words.